0: Hey, welcome to Pull the Thread Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Douglas. I'm a celebrity tailor, a wild Mustang tamer, and an entrepreneur. I managed to take a brother project runway home sewing machine and built a six-figure sewing business that supports a life I love, and I hop behind the mic to show you that you can do the same thing too. I am documenting all of my experiences in building my own little honey empire, complete with mess-ups and mistakes and experiments and celebrations so that you can shortcut to success faster. So you ready? Ready? Let's dive into the episode. Think back to a moment when you failed at something. Yeah, I know, that's a heavy way to start episode 11. Sorry about that, but I kind of want to start off with making you feel something first. Studies say if you can tie an emotion to a fact, it becomes a lot easier to recall that fact later on because it's making an impression on you. So think back to a time when you failed at something. If it was a launch or maybe even just a test in school, or you fell down and scraped your knee as a kid, it could be anything, right? Uh, I feel like if you're an adult and you're listening to this, you have experienced plenty of failures. We all have. It doesn't, it doesn't just come easy for some people and not to others. We all have micro failures that amount to be something when we look back and we say that we succeeded at something. It's because we got really good at falling and picking ourselves back up and learning from it. So This episode is the real reasons that your craft business, your clothing line, your launch, whatever it was, here's the real reason why it wasn't as successful as you'd hoped. So I talk to boutique designers and owners of small fashion labels on a regular basis. Conversations start to all look the same, to be honest. So it's really hard for me to not just automatically interrupt them and tell them what they should be doing or what they're doing wrong, because for them, it's a new conversation. And yet for me, I've had it 26 times since breakfast. Um, But the conversations all start to look the same. And also what they don't recognize is the patterns in their branding behaviors start to emerge for me. The most common pain point always points back to The friction that they experienced in getting the right customers in the door. They're making a great product, but things just aren't clicking with the sales numbers. I feel like everybody can relate to this as they all repeat the same behaviors. Um, And oftentimes they even learn bad branding and marketing behaviors from one another. They all experience the same pain. They all band together and form a well tailored echo chamber, (laughs) but they fail to realize in doing so that it causes them to go blind to simple mistakes, branding and marketing mistakes that they're making. So, what's the mistake? Does it boil down to one? What's happening here? Um, I see three, to be honest. Uh, Here in Nashville, I feel like I'm sort of like on the outskirts of the fashion community. Um, I'm the outsider looking in. I'm sort of like the black swan coming in and doing things a little bit differently. We run sort of more like a tech startup than like a manufacturer um, or like a fashion business. So I sort of have a more technical understanding to process um, and process oriented businesses. And so I see three mistakes that people make nonstop behind the scenes when they're, um, complaining that things weren't as successful as they wanted. So if you are about to launch a clothing line, if you're thinking about launching a clothing line, um, if you are about to go into business as a sewing business, here are three mistakes that I don't want you to make. (laughs) Mistake number one, we tend to brand our products in a way that appeals to us without ever considering the fact that it doesn't appeal to our ideal client. I have several examples for you. Um, One example would be when I first wanted to launch an online course. I wanted to launch one on costuming. I wanted to teach people how I costume rock stars. I wanted to give them every detail behind the scenes of how you figure out exactly what you need to do costume rigging. I wanted to explain the methodologies that I go about in tailoring for costumes that are different in tailoring for red carpets. I wanted to teach them what materials lent themselves to good costumes versus bad costumes. Um, And I wanted to teach them the pitfalls in costuming and what can go wrong and how big the problem can be. But um, when I started polling my audience, I wasn't getting any questions about costuming. Um, The questions that I would get would be like, how did you make money at sewing? How did you start? And that's where the six-figure sewing pattern was born out of was by meeting the need, answering the actual thing that appealed to my ideal client. I got my ideal client wrong in the beginning. It wasn't people that were wanting to costume. It was people that just wanted to profit from sewing because I was like standing too close to my genius that I couldn't even zoom out and see what people were stuck on, what they couldn't move past. Um, now, another example would be My company, Music City Sewing, the brick and mortar that I have here in Nashville, um, if I wanted my own company to appeal to me, it would be branded in a way that appealed to pastel-loving bohemian chicks who write in cursive, love a good hat, and half of the time are wearing feather earrings. But the truth is, Music City Sewing makes more money each year off of tattooed guys who drive trucks, and I have to be okay with that. Because the intention behind my business comes from the heart of service and impact, not sameness or forming a tribe. I won't go into the micro caveat of building a brand following around a product versus providing a service that excels at one particular avatar here, but that could be a totally separate podcast episode that I would have to like sit down and map out my head there. But in building this particular business, my intention for the brick and mortar isn't finding more people like me. My intention is forming stability and freedom and profitability and the services that we offer just happen to serve and impact tattooed guys and trucks best, which means no cutesy, curtsy, uh, cursive fonts, pastels, or golden boss lettering. It's out, right? If you happen to operate under a brand that you love, that's fantastic. I love mine. My only concern is it's oftentimes too easy to become too attached and therefore narrow-minded to goal-oriented oversights. It was a conscious decision for me to build a brand that I wasn't obsessed with because it was actually the best thing that I could ever do do um for for my business it allowed me to remain objective when the decisions that i have to make for it hit a little too close to home and the distance between my personal branding like crystal douglas um and my business's branding allow me to think through my marketing strategy clearly and it allows me to make tough decisions um and it, it honestly it's more freeing than it is um constricting so what does this have to do with boutique designers um, or sewists wanting to start businesses. What, is, what does this have to do with you? The key to being irresistible to the customers that you want to reach is straightforward. Your brand has to be the answer to their problem in a way that allows them to visualize them as their best self. This way, you solve the problem and you allow them to step into who they want to be. See, when you are the basis of your brand, of your company's brand, it makes it hard because you're only going to attract the person that wants to look and function like you. If you're making a product that looks great on you, the rest of the world is going to see that product and go, well, that looks great on you. Of course it does because it's tailored to fit you, right? But even after you become the answer to these two innermost desires, there's still a gap in between. How are you going to get them there? We, designers especially, you guys, you tend to start with a product and then you try to create an audience for it or you waste time trying to convince the wrong audience that they are in fact the right audience. The result is a piece or a clothing line that we love and when we launch tiredly, we launch to crickets. That's exactly what would have happened had I launched a course on costuming. We think that showing up and making what we want to make is enough to do the heavy lifting and move product rather than identifying who we should actually reach from the start. If your sales aren't what you'd hoped they'd be, you have to have humility to back it up a step. Who is your ideal audience? What does that avatar look like, sound like? What are their fears along the path to purchase? Those fears rarely have anything to do with you. And if you don't know what I mean when I say avatar, we all say like your ICA, your ideal client avatar. That avatar is like if you wanted to create a Pinterest board for your dream client, what would be on their Pinterest board? What do they wear? Where do they shop? What's their coffee order? What do they drive? What do they do for a living? What's their weekend plans? Where do they vacation? What's their family look like? How do that, what's that dynamic? If you step into the headspace of your ideal client, the brand will look less like you and more like your ideal client. And therefore it will draw them in rather than trying to create an audience that loves what you like your brand to look like. Because that is way more heavy lifting than it is just doing work that matters for people who care, or making really good things for really good people. By developing out your brand for that specific audience, you'll finally make them feel understood rather than seeking to make people feel or understand you. You can't tell people what to do unless you know what makes them tick, what makes them think and feel and do. Okay, so mistake number two. They forget that their purpose isn't to sell. That's not your purpose. If you think that's your goal, I'm sorry, you've got it wrong and you're going to flop. Your purpose in starting a business, in launching a clothing line, in uh, creating a product for other people, your mission, your purpose is to inspire, to educate, and to entertain. This is the how part of how you're going to get them there, a filling in the gap, how you're going to get people in the door, how you're going to get carts to stop getting abandoned. If you do just one of these things throughout your marketing and sales copy, you'll begin seeing marginal success. If you do all three, my friend, you will be an unstoppable force, a triple threat in the form of style. Okay, an example of serving would be this podcast. A sell would be, Pay me money and I'll tell you why you aren't selling your boutique clothing line as much as you want it to be. If I can't inspire you with the life that I live, you're less likely to take action. Even if you love what I make, if I don't educate you on the importance of what I'm doing and why it matters and how I should appeal to your fundamental desires as a human freaking being. And if I can't find a way to entertain you, then where does that leave us in terms of human connection? See, that's the problem. You're focusing on selling and you're forgetting to be a human, to inspire and to educate and to entertain people. Number three, mistake number three. This is a big one, okay? (laughs) People position themselves as the hero of the story. You might not be wrong in your life. You're the hero. You know, it's your movie. If it's your life, it's your movie. But here's the deal. If you are trying to build a brand and a business based on that brand, you're not sustaining and scaling, listen up. If you aren't growing, you are shrinking. Positioning your ideal client as the hero of that marketing story and watching just how irresistible your brand becomes and how quickly a word of mouth catches on, it's going to blow your mind. Build a brand that your ideal audience loves being the advocate or the hero for, and then fall in love with it because of that reason. See, so many brands are like, you have this issue and we're the hero. This is our solution to it. Rather than saying, hey, you're going about a lot of stuff during the day. And maybe you have an odd size or maybe uh, your body type is, Irregular to you, and it's hard for you to buy clothes off the rack that fit. Honestly, I think these days it's hard for anybody to buy clothes off the rack that fit because, like, look outside, manufacturing sucks. Anyways, when you position yourself as the hero, you're not really leaving a space for somebody to come in, buy, and wear your product and feel equipped and empowered in their day to day life. It's a lot harder to get people to love your brand than it is to get them to love themselves. And if you build a brand around introducing people back to themselves in a way that helps them fall back in love with them, I think you'll be onto something powerful and you'll be onto something with staying power. So quick takeaways, the first one, build a client avatar before you build your brand. Oftentimes when we think about our brand, we mistakenly transfer our personal aesthetics to our brands and we mistake ourselves as our client avatars. By identifying that profile first, You can create a brand that serves them rather than building a brand that serves yourself. Second tip, clarify your archetypes before you go marketing to multiple personalities. Branding archetypes are just personalities for businesses. Each one represents a fundamental human desire. So if you can connect what you're selling to a specific archetype, you'll clarify exactly who you're trying to call in. Then just stay consistent with your brand's archetype because that's going to help you tap into the deep emotions that motivate your ideal clients to think, feel, and do. My last tip, showing up and simply serving that ideal audience without the thought of selling will do so much more selling for your brand in the long run than an entire Salesforce team combined. So there you have it, a short and sweet episode. So follow up an extremely long one from last week. This is episode 11 of Pull the Thread Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe if you're not already subscribed already. And if you're feeling mega generous, leave a review, five stars only, five star reviews only. Thank you. (laughs) See you next time on Pull the Thread.